0: Welcome to the St. George's Lead Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy the talk. Jethro, he isn't one of the, most, uh, the Bible's most beloved heroes. You know, you're Davids, you're Peters. Many here tonight might not have been aware of a character called Jethro in the Bible let alone know the ins and outs of his story. So clearly my first job tonight is going to be to set the scene and tell his story. Then we can think about how it impacts us. Our story takes place at the foot of what the writer calls the Mountain of God. The whole nation of Israel is camped in the wilderness near to this Mount Sinai, which is situated between Egypt and and a country that God had promised Israel were to inherit. The camp is no doubt a loud and sprawling one. 70,000 men, so we can only speculate 150,000 people are here. And the mood is mixed, I think. We're fresh off the back of one of the most thrilling, rousing hymns in the Bible. That's Miriam's song that rejoices in the Israelites' rescue from Egypt. That's right, we're in Prince of Egypt time, (laughs) when God used Moses and a bunch of miracles to save his people Israel from slavery in Egypt, both because of their salvation and the manner of their rescue, by a series of miracles, a flight in the night with a chariot race to rival anything in the Fast and Furious, And then the parting of the sea. Yes, because of what God had done and how he'd done it, this is a people with cause for celebration. I think the Israelites rode a bit of a high off all that for a while. These thrills might have worn off, though. They're a nation without a home, wandering through the desert, and to many of them seemingly without a plan. And that might have begun to hit. So... It's a massive, bustling camp, and it contains a great range of raw emotion. And into that camp walks a Midianite priest. We're going to get there, but first cut back. So before the whole exodus had kicked off, we meet our leading man as he welcomes the, his, uh, the hero of the story, Moses, into his household. His daughters have been tending his flock but were set upon by rival shepherds, sort of like grand theft also, but with shepherds <laughs> enter Moses, who rescues them, and then even does their job of watering their flock for them. When they get home they tell their father about their day, and he is aghast. So where is he? Call him so that he can eat a meal with us, he cried. Jethro welcomes Moses into his home, and even arranges for his daughter to marry Moses. Jepho's idea of welcome is a bit stronger than mine and maybe yours. Moses stays in his house for about 40 years. Next time someone does you a favour, think about repaying them with bed and board for half the rest of their life. But God does eventually call Moses away, as it's time to enact his plan to save Israel from Pharaoh. So Moses leaves and Jethro is left to look after Moses' wife and children. A man of greater hospitality and graciousness you will be hard pressed to find. The mist of time once again swirl as we rejoin the Midianite priest entering the Israelite camp. There aren't any signs in this cacophonous maze of tents it's bewildering to one who doesn't know his way around but moses is expecting him and he goes to greet him they bow low before each other they embrace they greet each other very fondly and with genuine interest in each other's affairs and they go into moses tent There's a great deal to catch up on and Moses loses no time. It's a breathless account of things scarcely believable. Were they not coming from the mouth of the son-in-law who'd spent nearly 40 years in your household? Jethro does believe what Moses tells him. And this priest of Baal and Ashtaroth and other Midianite gods rejoices saying, Yahweh be blessed. Now I acknowledge that Yahweh is greater than all gods. Then Jethro makes an offering and orders for a celebratory meal to be shared. Next day, it's down to business. And for Moses, there's rather a lot of business. Jethro watches on, at first in amazement, but turning to horror as seemingly the entire Israelite camp assembles outside Moses' tent, requiring some squabble or other to be settled. At the end of a very long day, Jethro says to Moses, That thing you're doing, it's not good. And Moses saw that though his intentions were good, his father in law was right. Major reform of the legal system followed. But Jethro headed home with his heart irrevocably changed by his son in law's testimony about a God who saved his people. Jethro occupies just two chapters in Exodus. There are lots of things you might say about it, but the two things that I'm going to choose to say are these that Jethro embodies Jesus' call to childlikeness, and that Jethro shows a willingness to speak and act in spite of it not being his place to. Childlike and willing. Starting with childlikeness, this isn't an easy idea to get your head around, particularly for people who had a difficult childhood for whatever reason. So, to understand why this is a desirable thing, we turn to Jesus' teaching in Matthew chapter 18. We read there Jesus called a child and stood her in the middle of them. I'm telling you the truth, he said unless you turn inside out and become like children, you will never, ever get into the kingdom of heaven. So if any of you make yourselves humble like this child, you will be great in the kingdom of heaven. We can understand childlike humility to mean trusting, vulnerable, dependent on another. Unlike, for instance, turtles... Human children can't fend for themselves. They're totally reliant on their parents for food, shelter, clothing, and everything else. They're utterly vulnerable to starvation, attack, and the elements. They need protecting and sustaining constantly. Reliant, vulnerable, It needed protecting and sustaining. And you know what else? Children know that. I mean, there are occasional strops, and I know that, plenty of children between the ages of 5 and 10 pack a suitcase and threaten to leave. But fundamentally, they know they need looking after and they want to be looked after. Let's look at our passage and we're in Exodus chapter 18. Our reading starts just after Jethro had arrived at the Israelite camp and with Moses recounting the rescue of Israel from Egypt. The significance of what Jethro says next It's easy to overlook. Jethro is a priest, and he is Moses' father-in-law. A priest in Midian, though. And to various gods, none of them Yahweh. That's Israel's name for our God. He may have taken Moses into his household, but he didn't take Moses' God any more than Moses took his. When he says, Now I acknowledge that Yahweh is greater than all gods, this is the first time he said that. This is the moment of his conversion. In Moses' words, Jephthah encountered a God who is faithful, who promised to save his people, and in an utterly remarkable way, he encounters a God of grace, and he wants in. Remember there was a cost for Jethro, though. He was a priest, a man of standing in the nation of Midian, And his standing was based on his job as a priest. And his job as a priest was based on the worship of a set of gods who he just renounced. Like, this is scandalous. So in making this statement of faith, in accepting Yahweh as the God above any other and the one he would follow, he's throwing away his priestly position and putting in jeopardy his financial status and security. We said that the humility of children is trusting, vulnerable, and reliant on another. While Jethro, an adult with status, money, a home, and a family, has made the decision to become vulnerable in all these things, and instead trust in Yahweh, being entirely reliant upon Him. Jethro has made a decision that it is better. To be vulnerable in terms of any worldly thing, but be reliant upon and live in the protection and sustaining of Yahweh, who is greater than all things. I said that children know they need to be looked after and want to be looked after. Well, as children of the Most High God, can we honestly say the same? When Jesus calls us to childlike humility, it's a very challenging thing because to become vulnerable and reliance on another is extremely uncomfortable. But see the joy that Jethro found in his humility. First, he rejoices, praising the name of the Lord. Then he gets offerings and sacrifices as an outward sign of what's going on in his heart. And then he calls all the elders of Israel to share a meal as he celebrates their rescue and his own coming to faith in Yahweh. Becoming vulnerable and reliant on God will mean a host of different things for different people. My encouragement is to let the Holy Spirit speak to you tonight um, and bring up something if he wants to. Childlike and willing that was childlike this is willing willing to do what willing from the first moment he believed to do whatever god called him to we're in the day following his conversion now and jethro watches moses at work at the end of the day he pronounces the thing you're doing it's not rude It seems obvious that being the sole judge and also chief priest and pretty much prime minister for 150,000 people wasn't feasible. That obvious to us, but it seemed to have occurred to no one previously. For whatever reason, he was the only one who could see this problem. And he found himself in a position to say it. So he said it. I don't imagine this was an entirely, an entirely comfortable moment. He may be a convert as of 12 hours ago, but no doubt there's a level of lingering distrust in the air because, well, that's ever so human, isn't it? There's also the reason he's there in the first place. Jeffrey wasn't sent for as a freelance advisor to systemic legal reform or as any sort of advisor to anything. He came to bring Moses' family to the camp. Sort of like Boris Johnson's dad sharing a plan to comprehensively tackle the winter fuel crisis on the way from bringing his grandchildren home from school. Jeff Robert, for his connection to Moses, is an outsider. A foreigner who spent his life, up until today, following other gods. He's not held back, though. He came to believe in Yahweh yesterday and today he is confidently speaking God's words and doing God's work. Jethro encapsulates an idea which Josh brought up in his talk last week about a royal priesthood from 1 Peter chapter 2. Writing to the Christians scattered across the whole of modern day Turkey, Peter writes, you are being built up into a royal priesthood. Peter's writing to many people and makes no disqualifications as to who is called to the royal priesthood. Some are called to leadership, a few to ordination, but all of us are being built up into a royal priesthood. Jethro's story doesn't culminate in his being made a priest in any formal sense, but he does appear willing to take up Peter's call from 2,000 years later to the royal priesthood. Jethro soon goes home to the country where he may no longer fit in. And Jewish literature tells of him bringing to Midian a message about a God who is above all gods. God had a mission for Jethro and Midian and off he went. So twice in these verses Jethro is willing to do what God asks him to. He's willing to speak the words that Moses needs to hear, regardless of judgment from those around him. And he's willing to go even to a place which might be uncomfortable. So how can we become more willing to speak for God or go into the world for God? Helpfully, they both start from the same place, and that's listening to God. We can't speak his words if we've not heard them. We can't go where he's told us to go if we haven't heard him say where. Don't stretch this analogy too far, but in a sense, God is like a radio. We can turn the radio off, but the channel's still being broadcast. The choice is ours whether to tune into it. God is always there for us to tune into. The choice is always ours unlike a radio of course what we tune into is personalised of course it's personalised it's a conversation which we're one half of when we listen to God there's a weighing up of whether it's something that God is saying it starts with is that something that God would say because there are things that he simply wouldn't if it doesn't fit with the God of the Bible it's not God And we ask God whether that is something that he's saying. That might mean involving others in that same question. What's for sure, though, is that God wants to speak to and through every person in this room. Something Jethro shows us is that we don't have to wait until we know a certain amount or reach a certain level. There are no levels. Just the church all mucking in together an example of this which i was immensely encouraged by was an experience my wife had at 61 the new wine conference we were just hearing about bex was minding her own business when a woman she'd never met said she had a word for her she shared the word and later as bex was praying it helped to unlock something that she was thinking about fantastic that a word shared by this woman helped to unlock something she was thinking about. So Bex was really encouraged and went to find this woman who she'd never met before to say thank you for encouraging her. The woman was delighted because she said it was the first time she'd ever shared a word. It's easy to slip into thinking that a chosen few get to do these holy things like listening to God and sharing words and pictures or sharing testimonies with friends and other people, but Jethro, the outsider, didn't wait to get stuck in or to say something which would help his fellow believers. And that marvellous woman at 61 didn't either. She shared the word even though she'd never done it before and it helped Bex that day to hear God's voice. So there's a challenge to childlikeness from the story of Jethro. To throw away or let go of things we might cling on to rather than relying on Jesus. If we're childlike, <clears throat> we'll want to be looked after by God and we'll value higher than anything <clears throat> His protection. If the Holy Spirit stirs something in you there, dig deeper and maybe draw a friend into that if it's going to be helpful. This call comes from Jesus and it's an offer to have him pull away the flimsy canopy with which you're protecting yourself and let him keep you safe with him in his house. And there's a call to be willing. Just as all are signed up to the royal priesthood, all are called to pray. The call is then to willingness in whatever God's response might be when we come to him in prayer. When we speak to God, expect him to speak back. So leave the time to listen. Sometimes what he says is just for ourselves. Sometimes, though, he wants to use us to speak to somebody else or to do something or change something or go somewhere God used Jethro to speak to Moses and we prepared for him to use us for that same purpose. Thank you for listening to the St George's Lead Sermon Podcast. For more talks or information, visit stgs.org.uk